the past, the present, the future. This is Friday Night Fright. What the planet is listening to. Hello, guys, gals, and everything in between. This is your pie host, Dean Austin. This is Friday Night Fright. You're fry on a Friday night. And bam, we've got a great show for you today. All with that, except I'm Tronkly Jet Lad. Oh, no. And after the podcast special for last week, despite that, no, I said last week, I'll do an episode on Doctor Sleep. I haven't finished the book, and I haven't seen the movie. And there's a reason for that. One, I'm enjoying the book. Don't want to rush through it, although... Some parts I'm not quite so fond of. And two, the movie is only on 8 o'clock at night here. And I don't know about you guys, but it's winter and I don't drive and I'm not walking in town 8 o'clock on work night to see fucking Doctor Sleep. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, no, I won't do it. So, yeah, I mean, like, whoops, what can you do? Um, so that's not happening. So instead of that, in last minute, last minute style, is another clip show. Oh no, Ian, you've done too many for them recently. I really have. But in my defence, I don't really care. This needs to be put out and this is the best way to do it. And so it's... Shut your clip shows. I I only got part two. It's part three. You know, everything good comes in three parts. Trilogy, people. Trilogy. So that's today's episode. Um, if you don't like it, well, I'll do a bonus episode during the week. That, how about that? I'll pick a horror movie. Not a Shudder one, because I'm not paying Shudder anymore. I don't watch it, except for this podcast. And being then, even then, I don't re-watch it. So... There you go. Anyway, this is Clip Show. Apologise in advance. Don't want Clip Show. But did you really want me talking about half the book of Doctor Sleep I've read and fucking a movie I haven't watched? You probably did, but you're not going to get it. So I will see you after the Clip Show stuff at the end of the episode for a recap of sorts. And maybe a teaser for next week. I don't fucking know. Because half time, what I say I'm going to do isn't what I actually end up doing. So who knows? Anyway, as always, remember, sponsorship pays the rent, or doesn't in this case, because Anchor won't let me take in for the sponsorship out, because I'm not an American citizen. But last night, here nor there, I'll be back after a brief word from my sponsor. So, I just finished Teeth, and this seems to be quite a fitting movie to start Shudmania 2019. I should add the precursor, I've watched this movie a fair few times over years, um, quite watchable haven't seen it properly in a couple of years and this was my first real re-watching of it and i thought it was pretty good um that's essentially just if you don't want any spoilers it's pretty good i would sort of recommend it because i think it's interesting and think to a degree it has things to say and i like horror movies which try and have something to say even though it doesn't necessarily have the most insightful commentary, it's about something more than some of its parts, so that's recommended. The lead performance by Jess Waitzler, 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 I'm not sure how you pronounce the name, is fantastic, and actually, to be honest, that's probably the main problem with the movie. They cast someone in Rolf Dawn, the female high school protagonist, who is fantastic and really good and delivers a really consistent performance, which doesn't quite mesh with the rest of moving. That's not her fault. It's a tonal issue. The directors and writers aren't entirely sure what sort of movie they're trying to make. It's potentially in the hands of someone like David Cronenberg. This could be a really good, serious sparse movie about a specific issue in this case the vagina dentata something like Cronenberg could have narrowed it down and kept it to be quite concise and here they've done kind of the opposite because despite that it's an hour and 34 minutes long hour 27 before you get to your end credits a lot of this movie feels I won't say superfluous but it feels like totally there's a lot of issues here. They weren't entirely sure what movie they're making. There's a lot of B-movie allusions to this, as identified by Dawn watching B-movies on TV. And in some ways, this feels like an attempt to make a grown-up version of those stories. But at the same time, this movie is quite goofy. If you don't want spoilers, I would move it. I would stop listening now. 
into uh, ninth minute, and then you carry on listening. But just what my general view of movie is pretty good. And now spoilers can begin. So fundamental flaw of this movie is, as I've said, tonally it's not sure what it's trying to be. There's a lot of goofy elements, as it's said by the um, uh, ridiculously over-the-top reactions of the male, many of men, when they get their dicks spitting off. Um, and that's the other thing, like, it's dealing with something which is, could go to be inherently goofy or inherently interesting because the myth and all of that, the idea of female sexuality being repressed and coming out in an external way such as this is quite interesting. That that's that's an interesting dynamic you could have portrayed and the lead performance is going to that way, but movie tonally is bouncing everywhere. The um concept it's very dark, though. Like, the concept, you know, essentially, this woman is... Pe- the men, tr- countless men, try to, and in some cases, do actually rape her throughout the course of the movie, and uh, the vagina they talk to is like a defence mechanism. That's dark shit. That doesn't really mesh with the amount of jokes and goofiness in the movie. Maybe they're trying to add some levity to it, I don't know. You can have jokes, but in this case, it feels like the mood whiplash is all over the place. It's a common complaint about movies like Suicide Squad that they whiplash, but in this case, it's particularly bad because this is literally a movie dealing with this woman's first sexual experience is rape twice, multiple times, with her brother when she's a kid, when he sticks his finger in her vagina and it gets bit, with the boy by the waterfall, who actually does rape her, and then gets gets bit off, and with the doctor in one of the weird scenes, like, the bits where he showed the aftermath and the operations, and they're all being a bit jokey, those should not have been in the movie, at all, like, I know you could possibly say, but what about exploring the aftermath? But having those scenes feels dramatically poor, a really bad ch- choice. Maybe they're struggling to get to the proper running time without those scenes, but you could have cut seven minutes out of this movie. You could have had a really tight, condensed hour 20 movie. I always think that some writing choices are a bit off, like the Puritanicals Club, the cult, you know, having them be such a big part of the first half movie and then disappear. Same with Dawn's friends, they disappear. And it's sort of like, why would you have them such big parts of the movie if they weren't going to be in it after the halfway mark? It screams having a couple of drafts and then making a movie, not really harnessing. You should never spend forever on writing a movie. You always have to stop at some point, but you shouldn't stop when you've got a tight structure. And this structure isn't. The other fact is that really grates me is um, just the general nature of it. This movie feels like, and this ending spoils by the way, but you shouldn't be listening to it when we spoke. The movie feels like it's a loose origin story for a horror movie monster. You know, you've got the um, uh, power plants in the background, which are very, very fucking close to the house. And that, I'm assuming that's. Um, not actually how close they are. No, it's sort of a visual identification. Like, we need to have them be as close as you can make a connection. Although, if they're in distance, you can make a connection too. But it feels like, in a lot of ways, tying back to horror movies they show on TV, that the movie is portraying Dawn as a horror movie monster of some kind. But at the same time, she's... I don't think she really fits that category because... All of these guys, I, they kind of deserve what they get. Like, she says no, and they continue. So, like, I have no sympathy for them. So if it's going from morally grey thing, that's fine. But, I don't know, it, it's it's like someone thought about taking those old horror movie ideas and giving them a fresh, grown-up, uprooting, I guess, but it doesn't really work the way they intended I think it's a shame because Jess Waits is really, really, like generally really good. This is a particularly good horror movie performance, but she's let down by a lot of the crap going on in between. And the other thing, I know Power Plants there is a sort of homage to that George Romero thing of 
like from Night of the Living Dead, where he talked about comets coming from space and all flying, going, oh, it may be this, it may not. But that's bizarre, having power plants play such a big part of this movie, because you just stop when you see them. You stop, and it's that thing of, wouldn't, they, wouldn't this be an issue? Is this, wouldn't they already suspect that maybe they shouldn't live there? It's weird. It's just... It's very distracting visually to see power plants in the background because it automatically makes me ask a lot of questions I wouldn't normally ask. If they're further away, you go, well, they're not that close, but you put them that close. So obviously now I'm thinking, why wouldn't characters find that strange? You know? It, and also, like, wouldn't the mother sue the power plant companies because she's clearly got some kind of cancer and it probably is caused by that. I don't know, it's just... It feels a brave attempt and a watchable horror movie, you know? A brave attempt at doing something different that doesn't entirely succeed. I feel it's definitely one of those movies where the lead performance anchors it, but at the same time wish she had more to work with. I think the male acting's movie ranges from poor to really, really awful. Like, the guy at the end who's lick The old guy... Sorry, the old guy at the end who's licking his lips and he's giving Dawn the rapey eyes, that's terrible. That's so bad. That's like some of the worst acting in a horror movie I've seen years, and I'm guessing it's not the actor's fault. He was told to do that, but so totally poor. And it's just, oh. I also think, and I'm not against like men being portrayed as assholes in horror movies, because we are assholes to a large degree of time, but it's almost cartoonish in this one. Like, the one male character who's reasonable, the father, is like a reformed sex addict, it looks like. And he's a saint now, and it feels like they realised that all the other male characters were scumbags, so he had to have one who was okay, but they went too far the other extreme. I also think, and I'll keep saying this, that the promise cult that should have come in play later on. You can't beat something like that up so much and drop it because that screams a drop plot thread and it really takes me out of the movie. But I did think this is a good start to Mania. I enjoyed watching it. Um, recommend it? I, I Yeah, I mean, it's, it's different. It's unique. It's trying to do something interesting. Not entirely succeeding, but it's trying. But yeah, I'd say it's a decent start to Mania. Um, next up is probably The Devil's Reject, which will go up tomorrow, May 2nd. This is being recorded on April 22nd. So, you know, Devil's Reject, they've seen it. Being told Rob Zombie makes weird movies, which is cool because I've seen Halloween. But this one of its own movies, which no studio telling what to do. So it should be particularly strange. So I'll be back Devil's Reject tomorrow. And hope you guys enjoy it. And remember, life is beautiful. Oh, you guys. You guys. I just watched The Devil Free Jet. And what a great practical joke you guys all played on me. This movie doesn't exist, right? This was a fake. Someone put a lot of effort into making a fake movie. Because whoever it was, you've succeeded. You've done an amazing job. Because this can't be real. This can't be an actual movie. It can't be a sequel to another movie. Like... It's a parody. You've made a parody. Someone's made a full-length parody with a bunch of actual actors and Rob Zombie's wife and got licenses to... It's an actual movie, isn't it? Oh, God. I can't even keep this up. This was, without a shadow of a doubt, the worst movie I have ever seen in my life what the fuck? Seriously, what the fuck? That's all you can really say about this movie. I can't go in spoilers. So I have no idea what happened in this movie. It's just gibberish. In every conceivable regard, this movie is gibberish. It doesn't make any sense. Even if it could make sense, it would make sense. It is a love letter to movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But it's a love let by someone who doesn't understand movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because here's the truth. Rob Zombie, I'm going to peel to your bare nature. We're not meant to root for Leatherface and his family. We're not meant to root for them. 
That's the entire point of the movie. We're meant to root for the teenagers. They might have flat characterization. They might not be very good actors. But we're not meant to want to see them be beaten to death and eaten. Even Franklin with wheelchair. We might poke. I might poke fun him. We, people I've watched it with. We might poke fun Franklin. We don't want him to get eaten. And even if we did, say we did, right? Say we were rooting for the Devil's Rejects. And by the way, Rob Zombie, that's not how you should say the title. And if you're going for a creative flourish like Quentin Tantino, you've chosen the wrong person to teach your horse to. That's all I'm saying. But his thing, Rob Zombie, if we're meant to root for your characters, make them likeable. Some small way, make them likeable. Because I think what he's going for here, I think what he's going for is they're bad. But cops are also bad. I think that's what he's going for. But his thing, Rob Zombie, if that's what you're going for, a uh, quick bit of advice. Don't have your main characters be unrepenting rapists. I'm just saying, it's kind of hard to think, whoa, they're the lesser evil, when they're literally raping people. Like, what? what what's he thinking? Seriously. Like, I've no idea what logic he has, because... Firstly, okay, firstly, Mrs. Zombie can't act. I'm just going to say it. She can't act. She's a terrible actress. And that's fine. That happens, you know. But at least if she's terrible, work with her. Like, this is like, what, the third movie he's made with her? Like, know what she can and can't do. Like, you know, I hate to sound cruel, but this was really bad. Like, I, I feel dumber for watching this. I feel like part of my soul... Part of my enjoyment of cinema has been destroyed. I really feel that way. I feel like it's an hour 50. It felt like it was four hours long. There were four points it could have ended. And I wish it had ended. And then continued. Um, you've got a bunch of exploitation actors. Like um, Sid Haig and Ken Forey. And I've no idea why they're in this movie. I've no idea. I mean, maybe they thought it would be a career reinvention. Maybe Rob Zombie is the nicest man on the planet. Can't make a movie, but maybe he's a nice guy. Maybe he's convincing. Maybe he's a snake salesman. I don't know, but all I know is he can't make a movie. I mean, yes, this is a movie. In virtue of it's being finished and it's been put on Shudder, but that's not necessarily a sign of quality. It's finished, it's on Shudder, it's been released, it, F1 got paid, I presume, uh, or shared in profits or whatever. So, in that card, it's a movie, but at the same time, it's not a movie, because this is just a bunch of shit thrown together. It's exactly what we criticise movies like Just League and Batman vs Superman for, in that it's not a movie, it's a bunch of scenes thrown together. It's Rob Zombie's greatest hits from horror movie, but it doesn't have a plot. And I'm sure some of you are saying, Ian, if you watch House of Thousand Corpses, you don't understand what's going on. To which, I'm not fucking watching House of Thousand Corpses. I'm not fucking watching that. I don't want, I never want to watch that. I found this on Shudder, so I'm adding it to Shudder Mania, but... Oh my god, so bad. Like, Let's start with the visuals, okay, shall we? Visuals in a movie are meant to a story. You're not meant to watch them and be thinking, I don't know what's going on. You know? They're meant to tell a story. Okay, so this movie has no plot. Fair enough. You know, the the idea behind it is cops Jason, devil's rejects. Cops are evil, devil's rejects are evil. And they're going to have to collision at some point. That's fine. You can work a bit of that. But the visuals don't tell the story. You're meant to be telling the story using visuals. Rob Zombie's not doing that. It's like... He's in love with as many gimmicky cinematic visual constructs as possible, but he doesn't understand how to use them. For example, I was watching Wolf of Wall Street earlier on, and that movie has so many scenes which aren't shot in a very fancy way, knowingly, because Martin Scorsese knows that you have to be able to follow what's going on. Rob Zombie doesn't care about us following what's going on. He just wants to make a movie which feels like it's... I don't know, maybe a movie that feels like his music. I don't know, I don't listen to his fucking music. You know, and look, I'll put it this way. I respect Rob Zombie for making it. Clearly he thought, 
horror isn't what I want it to be, so I'm going to make a movie. It's fair enough, you know, and then make a couple more movies and make them profit. And then I give him Halloween, and it's all like, fair enough, you know, if they're going to give you money to make movies, then make movies. All I'd say is make good movies. This is shit. This is really shit. And I don't feel... Normally I feel bad for saying that. I'm like, no, I don't in this case. This is rubbish. Like, this is actually rubbish. Like, you have a cast, except for Mrs. Zombie, of people who can act. And you give them nothing. You give them absolutely nothing. The characters are the same at the end as they are at the beginning. And I know it probably shrug off. It's like, well, it's a horror movie. Who cares? Well, we should all care. You know, I knocked teeth earlier, but main character and teeth changed throughout those 90, 100 minutes, whatever. She changed throughout that screen time. She did bad things, but we could relate in a way to her, like her struggle. I can't relate to any of these people. And you don't always have to. You don't have to like main characters in the movie, but you have to be able to form some connection to them. I guess Rob Zombie would argue, oh, it's it's family, you know, everyone's got family, you know, you'd do anything for your family, but it's just, this isn't played knowingly, you know, when Tarantino wrote Natural Born Killers, there's certain knowing wink-wink to it, this isn't played wink-wink, this is played s- straight, which just leads to a lot of incredibly uncomfortable scenes, and hey, but, I'm, my, but my big bugbearer is, no, this is, it's, it's exploitative, but it's not trying to say anything. Like, Wes Craven made a lot of exploitative movies back in the day, but they were trying to say something. This is just, I I just, it's just that Snow School thought where you're not saying anything, you're just making shit. You know, and, and it's okay, you don't always have to have a message. Sometimes you can make shit. You know, you could just make a movie. It doesn't always have to be about something. But if that's the case, it has to be enjoyable. Michael Bay makes nonsense movies, but stuff like Rock is enjoyable and competently made. This is not competently made. So, hey, shot a main, you're off to a great fucking start, you know? Devil's Reject? I mean, I was critical of Teeth, but compared to fucking Teeth? Compared to Devil's Rejects, even Teeth is a fucking masterpiece. Like, Teeth had moved Whiplash, but at least it was trying to play with convention bit. This isn't playing with convention. This is, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I want to make my own version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's it. And that's not bad on the surface, but in the execution, it's horrendous. So, my conclusion, don't watch The Devil's Rejects. Don't watch it. There's no point. It's terrible. It's really bad. If you want to watch a Rob Zombie movie, go watch First Halloween. It's exploitative and nasty, but the last half an hour or so is just a remake of the original Halloween. In fact, sorry, in fact, don't do that. Don't do that. Just watch Halloween 2 on Shadow. Just watch fucking Halloween 2. Safe, safe to bother. Halloween 2 is not a great movie, but compared to this, it's a masterpiece. So... This is day two of Shadowmania, Devil's Rejects. I hate it. I regret watching it. And I feel I've lost something. But hey, what can you do? I'll be back tomorrow with... I um, don't know. I no idea what movie I'll be back with tomorrow, May 3rd. Woodshock, I don't know, something on Shudder. I'll advertise in advance on Twitter. But until then, remember, life is beautiful. So I just watched uh, Woodshock, and um, here's the thing. I don't entirely disagree with reviews of this movie, because I think some of them, while it's had stream, have a certain relevance to them, because this is... um, for lack of a better term, a glacial movie. Um, not much plot really. It's more visuals and aesthetic and um, tone kind of. You know, creating sense, putting you in character's perspective and then leaving it from there. Um, very artistic. It's a horror movie of sorts. I don't think it's a 
definitely not a jump scare horror movie, not obviously one, but it's portraying the um, descending madness of someone, which can work in, in a horror term. Um, the description is quite accurate. The haunted young woman spirals in wake of profound loss. I'm not sure exactly what she lost, but something. I mean, Mother was in Star Movie, I guess, and not in Yen's. Maybe it's that. And basically, she goes, for lack of, for, again, for lack of it, I'm fucking crazy. Now, in Norman's, that might not necessarily be the most entertaining thing, and the parts of the movie are a bit of a slog to sit through, but it's anchored by Kristen Dunst doing a really good job. She's obviously being upfront in the past about um her own issues with um her own mental health issues from again for lack of a better term. And the movie seems to I hate to say we'll benefit from that, but it's being put the main character's being portrayed by someone who knows what it's like go through similar things and is doing a good job. Indeed this movie could be parlance this depression the movie. Um, and depression using narcotics, which isn't always the smartest thing. Because if you've got a lot of um, anxiety or depression, using things which might amplify your paranoia, maybe it's not the smartest thing to do. Indeed, whatever the fuck she's smoking in this movie, it clearly doesn't rear her because she starts seeing some weird shit. Um, do I like this movie? That's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't dislike it. I respect what it's trying to do. I respect the intent. And sometimes that's enough. Other times, I don't feel I was high enough for this movie. I'm To be honest, I'm not high at all. I'm not drunk. Uh, I did have a bath earlier and all the fumes and shit like that. So, and herbal tea. So I'm a bit happy, you know, a bit... Well, I was happy and then watch this. Now I'm fucking... Um, not depressed is the wrong word. You know, but like I feel a bit weird, you know. I mean, I don't even know what to fucking say really. Like, I didn't hate it, I respect it. I think it's compared to stuff like Devil's Rejects, this might miss the mark, but it's trying for something. You try and fail my book, that's a good thing. And it is anchored by a really, really, really good performance by Kristen Dunst, who I think's been unfairly maligned in terms of um Hollywood for actually moving from decent you know, child teen actress to solid adult actress to, holy shit, she's starring in movies like this where it's predominantly just her in moving. It's not like she's given flashy dialogue or anything like that. She's literally given very matter-of-fact dialogue and very unflattering shots and very unflattering characters and man, she's put off. It's a very brave performance. I can't say much about the rest of the acting, to be honest. I doesn't really resonate with me at all. It's clearly Kristen Dunst's show. And the director's shows. There's a lot of interesting visuals going on. Um, I think you can say, it goes back to what I said about Devil's Rejects. On one hand, a plot would be nice because this thing have any plot. On the other hand, this has a touch more um, cinematic verve to it. They're doing a good job of creating an aesthetic and... These aren't characters you're particularly warm to either, but you don't want wish death upon them, you know? Or you don't think that movies try and tell you you should like these people. This has a very Martin Scorsese approach to it, where you're not meant to necessarily think, oh, what a likeable character. The movie's not judging characters, but at the same time, they form their own judgments, whereas you see something like Devil's Rejects, where the movie's not only judging characters, the movie's worshipping some of the worst human beings to have being movie. Like, you know, it's like... You shouldn't. You should never have director hero worshiping characters because that's it's an awful movie. It really does. What is I say about this? It's quite trippy in places. Some of the visuals are very interesting. I am yawning. I'm very tired. I'm very tired, guys. Just, I'm seeing Ventus mode. So I'm quite knackered. Um, I don't think I'm gonna get ten minutes with this episode. I. I don't mind the movie. I liked it. I thought it was a good attempt at doing something new. I'm always like impressed by horror movies which don't go to generic route. Like generic route would be, oh, she starts tripping. Oh, there's there's something coming get her. Oh, it's it's a monster. It's a monster. And this movie doesn't do that because it's you know trying to be a bit better than the average one. It's very art house in that regard. Um, I wouldn't say particularly brilliant art house, but I would say that. 
I respect it. And sometimes respect is quite a good thing for a movie, you know. Other times it's a bit like, you know, oh, I respect you too much to kiss you or something like that, you know, in terms of, you know, a woman you like but you respect too much, you know, even though she's into you, you respect too much and don't want to do anything. This, in some ways, it's kind of like that because I think I don't love this. I don't even know if I necessarily like it, but I respect it. And the only problem with that is that it doesn't make me think I want to watch this again. Well, the flip side being there's a lot of um, stuff in this movie with my benefit from a second watch. Oh no, those are usually movies that grow on you, you know? You don't necessarily love them first time, but the more you watch them, yeah, you could get into it. And going by Shudder Value, I think this is definitely the sort of movie Shudder have more often. I, those reviews may have been writing that this was glacial paced and a bit boring at points, but at the same time, you know, a horror platform shouldn't just have wham bam movies on there. It should have something for F1, and this is definitely something unique, which puts across Shudder as a different platform, which is good. Um, yeah, I'm definitely not getting fucking 10 minutes with this. I enjoyed that. That was um very watchable. And now to try and figure out what next movie's going to be on Shudder Mania, because, you know, I've watched a, uh attempt at reworking a sort of... um. Goofy B-movie from 40s. We've watched Devil's Rejects, which was terrible. And now this, which was a bit artistic. So I think the best way to follow that up is with, with Rabies Tomorrow. So in theory, on tomorrow's edition of the Shudder Mania 2019, I'll be watching Rabies, which is a... Is it Dave Cronenberg? No, it's a horror and Kashaus, and it's a Hebrew movie. Oh, okay. Intriguing. Cool. Wait, tomorrow will be rabies, I guess. And anyway, regards this movie, I don't I wouldn't unrecommend it. I'd recommend it as an experience to watch once. If you were to get high watching it, I would never condone that. Maybe you'd see something I didn't, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you'd be paranoid for years afterwards. That's why I would say you should do it. But if you did want to do it and wanted to send in your feedback on it, fair enough. Fry Fry Night Fright at Twitter. Um, and available on all the fucking podcast platforms. And we're in two rabies tomorrow. Remember, life is beautiful. Hey, guys. So I just watched Escape from Tomorrow, and I would be honest, I kind of love this movie. Um, By virtue of that, I mean, I don't really understand it. I'm not entirely sure... Disney approved it. Um, I'm not sure how it got made. It not like so not sure if it makes any sense, but I I kind of loved this. It was um strange, surreal, as Finn said, as Cruel said, strange, surreal, fun, uh, weird, odd, very odd, um, abstract, kind of artistic at points, but generally just uh, utterly original horror movie, and I don't say that too often. Especially after the first two movies, Teeth and Devil's Rejects, which Teeth is watchable and Devil's Rejects is anything but. But this and Woodshock are both the sort of horror movies I think a app like Shudder should have. You know, it's like we complain too often about horror movies having jump scares and not feeling like they've had thought put into them. And this really did, because in some ways you need to say it's not a horror movie, it's more of a surreal, artistic exploration for someone's mental breakdown but at the same time that is a horrifying thing horror can play uh mental health can play a big part in horror movies and it does in this one particularly i'm just fascinated by how this got made to be honest because i can't see disney signing off on this but I can't see them having... The, and they did, according to the opening credits. But I can't see them being allowed to make this without Disney being involved. I mean, this is not just a movie tangibly connected. This is actually a movie shot in a Disney location. <sighs> actually a movie shot in Disney location. And actually name checks Disney and actually has... People who went to Disney Park, which kind of blows my mind too, because how to get them sign off on it? But a uh, just strange movie. I mean, definitely recommended. Um, I would say if you want to watch an interesting original horror movie, I would say Escape from Tomorrow is definitely one you should 
take chance on Shudder. And now comes part where I have to throw out a few spoilers because I need to talk about this movie. I can't talk about Avengers Endgame, so I need to talk about... Well, I probably can when this goes out. I can't when I record it. So I need to talk about this movie. So from three minutes, in about ten seconds, I'll start doing spoilers, okay? Definitely recommend the movie, though. You should watch it. It's very entertaining. And I'll just recap some of the batshit insane stuff. Okay, so spoilers from now on. Um, uh, how to describe this movie in the simplest terms? A uh, man with his family goes to a Disney park, starts flirting with uh, two teenagers of a questionable age, uh, gets cat flu, meets a robot scientist, um, uh, flirts with a nurse, has sex with a witch, um, almost loses his kids, gets in a fight with a verbal fight with a man, thinks think it's a man, a mobility scooter, uh, loses a toe, um, and generally just seems to the same thing as madness. And that's simplest explanation. The real truth is, is something messed up in the air that forces him into this. You've got science, robot scientist who knows about first time this guy ever came to Disney location. Apparently Disney is Siemens, the mobile phone company, is responsible for the upkeep for Disney. Disney. Fucking, the Epcot ball explodes at one point, then unexplodes. Um, and there's lots of cuts and scrapes everywhere. So I think it's fair to say this movie... I. When I said about Cousin Scrapes everywhere, it was the official 420 mark of this segment. So that says it all. But yeah, just a very strange movie. It's shot in a very interesting way. There's colour schemes black and white, which might be a budget thing, but lends it an even more surreal, abstract feel to it. You know, it's like it's trying to do something a bit different. Um, lots of weird, jarring camera cuts, but in a sort of progressive story way, not just for the sake of it, actually trying to tell a decent story. Some nice um, cuts at the start, um, showing faces and horror. Um, nice way of... It kind of does something that the um, that Blay Awful Truthful Dare movie did where people's faces change and you see the evil demonic face underneath, but it's done in a more subtle way, a bit less um, over-the-top goofy. <sighs> really have a storm today yeah it's playing with a lot of um uh camera tricks but in a cool way shot very slightly conservatively um the acting is very good all around actually even kids i mean the um the main the um little boy sorry um elliot is just uh that kid's either naturally looks creepy or he's got really good um, Rego busy do creepy eyes, but he's creepy. Um, the dad is, um, and my, and the parents are both increasingly, um, batshit insane. The dad gets the majority of screen time. I forgot his name. Shit, I always forget names, but he gets bulk of screen time. Gets in, he has worth some weird stuff, and just generally the the universe around them is so weird because it seems being all myths are true thing, where all this weirdness. I mean, you've got teenagers who are actually cats, you've got witches, you've got robots. Um, yeah, just strange. I mean, I still don't know how Disney approved this, but I am aware of time watching it. Very entertaining movie. Very um bizarre avant-garde and it's the sort of thing like i really feel like we should have more of this on in horror movies in general i i don't know if this was necessarily playing big cinemas but it'd be nice to see stuff like this get more of a mainstream shot you know i mean uh or i would love to have seen this in sigma to be honest there's a few bits which might have been quite um disorientating sigma like um uh close-ups of a half-naked witch having sex with a married man tied to bed but at the same time you know sometimes you see something a bit bit risque a bit blue at the same mind that doesn't corrupt you entirely so yeah 
I, I enjoyed this movie. I thought the I don't really understand a lot of it, so it needs a rewatch at some point. But yeah, it's very good. And nice part is even stuff I've mentioned about the spoilers. Like if you know those going in, it's not really going to change anything. This movie's still going to be quite a trip the experience. And actually, in some ways. As much as I praised Woodshock and I thought the tone and the aesthetic of that was very good, this feels a lot more like a drug drug take movie where you've taken some drugs and um, Woodshock did. I imagine if you got high and watched this, you would be on fucking cloud 967, you know? You start believing a show like Supernatural could be on, 15 se- could be on season 15 next year. But yeah, definitely. Um, I'm very sleep deprived, so maybe I... It's not quite what I'm portraying it to be. But I I think the idea of a movie set in a Disney park, which is this weird, which has, you know, all this shit in it and all this bizarreness and is just generally sh- made in a dreamlike fashion and love avant-garde, but also matter-of-fact black and white photography and visualisation... And just generally a dis, uh, accurate portrayal of descent into madness of someone who may have cat flu. I loved it. I thought it was great. So definitely recommend this one. And it seems like we're on the upswing now. After a rocky start show the mania, we're starting to kick things into next gear, which is very good. And now it's time to discuss or try and figure out what will be on the next edition. Um... Yep, so we're going to go for Aimer tomorrow, which is um, 2010 French in 87 minutes. So, yep, Aimer is going to be on the next subject movie for Sugar Mania. So, until then, until we get to Aimer, remember, find us on Twitter at Friday Night Fright. Find us on all your favourite podcast stations and platforms and if you want to leave a review that'd be fantastic but until next time remember life is beautiful hey so i've just finished watching Aimer and i'm very confused <laughs> um i'm more confused than i was when i started watching it i know i say it's a fair bit but i i don't feel like i've gained anything i feel like i've lost a lot i'm confused i'm don't really have any idea what happened in this movie i'll try and explain as best i could but i think best way to describe being so is as and i hope no one takes any offenses this is a very french horror movie and that's not necessarily a bad thing in principle because it's unique it's different it's got a aesthetic which is um watchable and uh not the standard hollywood bullshit um Foreign horror movies obviously are a bit different than after relying on stupid American horror tropes. And in that regard, it's good because it's something different and it continues the theme of Shugmania. Each movie tried to be different to the last one. And so that's good. And the opening's very interesting. I, I say interesting a fair bit in this um, kind of review. But it's cool. It's the wet shot. It's cool. Um, playing with perspectives. I always like that in horror movies. Um, when you can flip perspective and... Use visuals in an uh, idiosyncratic, idiomatic way. And this movie definitely does that. There's some warped visuals, uh, use of colour, palettes, um, colour, saturation, that sort of thing. Sounds very posh and very uptight and is. Well, I think it's time to get to the actual movie now. Um, Right, so this says, the description says three key moments of the sexual defying Anna's life. Okay, I sort of get that, but it's saying in theory it's three acts. So first act, she's a kid, right? So first act, she's a kid, and um, she sees her parents, I think, having sex, and then a black lace hand prevents her from screaming, but then she starts freaking out, and she's tied to a bed with a chain, and she starts really freaking out through that, and then you get next bit, which is... um. At two, I guess you can say, where she's walking a lot with her mother. She's walking a real long way. I mean, we get lots of scenes of her walking. And the wind keeps lifting her dress from the front and back and caressing her thighs, I guess. And that goes on for ages. And at one point, I was like, is she flirting with the biker gang? 
I, I wasn't entirely sure what was going on because there's one part where she walks and it's about three minutes. She's walking forward and Biker Gang keeps staring at her and she stares at them and Wynne keeps lifting her dress because why not? That's what Wynne does, I guess. But then her mother slaps her and then they try and get pulled over by a car, but they don't. And then third act is um, her running away from some guy um, who's trying to murder her with a razor blade, but then she gets dropped on him and murders him for the razor blade. Um, and that's pretty much the movie. That's 80 minutes right there. Although fuck knows how any of it's connected. They claim that there's this ominous presence, this man in black, which is following her throughout her life, um, which I guess maybe... But be honest, I kind of got the impression this was another movie where the main character was having a prolonged mental breakdown. And be honest, I feel like I was having a mental breakdown watching this because I could not keep track of what's going on. It's very arty in that regard. It's more tone and aesthetic more than scares. There's no traditional horror movie jump scares in this, or even scares of any real kind. There's a few moments of tension. There's a few bits of violence. Indeed, the way she deals with Man in Black is shockingly violent. But mainly, it's as the description says, it's very... It's very... It's... I guess you can say it's trying to play the... Um, or parlay the... Uh, correlation between centrality and horror i guess you can say that i don't necessarily know that it gets it particularly right um but i think that's what it's in theory going for uh, centrality versus horror which i don't know it's, it's i'm trying not to be too critical of these sort of movies but i did feel watching it that it had the idea of what it wanted to be, but I don't think necessarily could commit to it. Um, also didn't have a... I don't think... I can't imagine this had a script, like a tightly written script. It very much felt like a visual demonstration rather than a character-based horror movie. There, there was characterization, but it feels quite... Um, I wouldn't say tapped on, but driven more by what you... by, like, the visuals and the aesthetic more than actual uh, traditional character arc which is fine you know a lot of movies um one from boyhood for example which i quite like don't need to have a character arc you know or they have one that feels a bit more true to life but this is dealing with horror tropes and uh, of a sort and to that regard i feel like it was definitely more atmosphere than acting or writing orientating that's fine it, it, it is what it is Problem being that they didn't really make up enough of that, I feel. It's it's a movie which is predominantly designed to be in three acts, with each part of her life in different acts. But to be honest, I had trouble figuring out where we were or what time frame we were in, which isn't a good thing because the movie is designed so you can... Um, or should be designed so you can watch it and know exactly where you are at any given moment. I had no idea. I turned away and turned back and she's aged 10 years and it was like, the fuck is this shit? I also think that's the other thing that gets me. Maybe you could have had more of an emotional connection, although there wasn't much of one anyway, if it was the same actress playing it all along. It's essentially making three short movies with the same character. It's not a bad thing per se. It's just difficult to actually relate to what character's going through. I mean, I don't have any fucking idea what character's going through. But, I mean, at the same time, as an experiment, it's was watchable i i did get some enjoyment out of it in terms of you know they really went in town with the um aesthetic i keep saying that but the color scheme the cinematography is really really cool and that's sometimes enough the visuals also cool um like so the color palette and whatnot i mean it's it's interesting it's i hate saying what interesting but it is it's fascinating it's it's something different it's a pretty standard story, but the way you can tell a story using visuals can often be the determinator between it being uh, generic, okay, or, you know, weird. And this was really weird. And weird is good, you know? We need more weird than horror movies. And and Spot of Shelf Mania, I mean, it's... Oh, well, I, I'm sort of tripping over my words a bit because I'm very... 
I'm very tired and I'm very confused. And like I say, I do feel like I've to a degree lost something in this, watching this movie. <laughs> uh, but also, I suppose you can say I gained something, which is appreciation for, Fra- for France horror being batshit crazy. Although I could have used more batshit crazy in this. I would probably give this about three out of five, to be honest. I think it was watchable. I think it was definitely something I'd recommend if you want to watch a, a unique kind of horror movie, um, something which is a bit more avant-garde, a bit more about... Um, uh, I'll phrase this. A bit more about creating a mood rather than um, uh, creating a actual... Um, yeah, creating mood rather than creating any sort of tangible um, connection, I guess. But there you go. Anyway, that was Aimer. Um I could continue doing more, but I'm not going to because I don't really have anything more to say, really. Uh, three out of five. Three out of five, um, but with a conjecture of four out of five for visuals. Anyway, tomorrow on Shelf Mania, I'll be, doing, I'll be reviewing Rabies, which is a Hebrew-Israeli horror movie. Interesting. I thought it's David Cronenberg one. I was wrong. Anyway, that's on Shadowmania for tomorrow. This is Ian Austin signing off. And remember, life is beautiful. And the episode's over. I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed making it. <laughs> I didn't put any effort in whatsoever. But can you blame me? Look, guys, seriously, I'm fucking jet lagged. I feel like I'm on four time zones. I got like I got people all over. I got people. I got friends here. I got family here. In Beautiful England. I got friends in Wales I have to keep up with. I got friends in fucking Japan or friends in Japan that you keep up with. I even have certain. I even have certain person in Albania I have to keep up with. So like, what the fuck? Like, I don't, I just don't know what time it is. Half fucking time and rest time. I have to try and relax because I've got a very stressful job. And unfortunately, this is what happens. I promise you. Better stuff is coming. This, these, apart from my updates, Halloween too, I enjoyed that. Apart from that, these last few weeks have been fucking dog shit, to be honest. And I'm sorry to say that because I'm sure some of you really appreciate my podcast. But let's be honest, I've fucking half assed the shit out of the last couple of weeks. And I'm sorry in some ways. In other ways, I'm like, I'm fucking trying to get afloat here. I'm knackered all the fucking time. Jesus Christ. I, I'm reading books again. That's how out of sync I am. I'm fucking reading literature, people. Stephen King, which barely counts, but it's still literature. But I promise you, look, better things are coming. I We really put more effort in, I swear, on everything. But not this week. Next week, I, look, I'm not even pre- previewing any shit for next week. Because I know whether I preview this week, I won't fucking do. And it's better if I just do stuff and I just put the episode up. I call episode six one next week and just do it. Or I just do limitless stuff. Don't don't talk about it. I just do it. But anyway, that's for next week. As always, remember, thank you for listening. It's very much appreciated. Remember, life is beautiful. Holla.